All right, if you've got a pew Bible, you'll open it up to 1 Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 33. Chapter 12, verse 33. I had a message prepared, and I'm not an inspired writer, obviously, but I remember the book of Jude, where he had a plan to write an epistle, but God changed it at the last minute for him and gave him a message that God wanted to be heard. I pray that's the case today. The title of the message is Forward March, Advancing in a New Year. If you're in chapter 12 of Chronicles, it says of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle, listen to me, expert in war, with all instruments of war, 50,000 which could keep rank. They were not of double heart. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Lord, as I preach on forward march today, at this eve of a new year, I pray right now, God, in spite of distractions, in spite of any trials, in spite of our circumstances, Lord, I do pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you will give what needs to be given today. And we trust you that you will, Lord, in Jesus' name. What hinders victory? At least now and in the world to come, which is the millennial kingdom. Is it not that you stop moving forward? So the devil has one goal to stop you from moving forward. By moving forward, I mean in your Christian maturity, growing, accomplishing new ground, becoming better, becoming more courteous, becoming more thoughtful about others, about God's feelings, about the presence of God all around us, about the fact that He's coming again and we're on trial, we're on probation in the sense of what have we done with all that He's given us? And we have some wonderful promises. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to get into it very far, but David, his last words were, there were these beautiful promises given to me that I'll shine as a light. And David had to say, you know, but my house, it doesn't look like this. My house is a mess, says David. But nevertheless, he says, but God's promises are true. And you know, the Lord Jesus Christ came from David's line. The Lord Jesus Christ came from David's line. I got some things to say today. It said that they were not of double heart and they could keep rank. God has order. 
They were able to march in order. And they were all able to move forward. God has an order in the home. God has an order in the church. It said they could keep rank. The Lord's not saying some people are better or more valuable than the other. It's saying God has an order. And when we get out of order, when we can't follow God's order, when we can't keep rank, when you get double-minded, when we get double-hearted, when we're disloyal to God and the order that He has, when your affection is divided, when you love Mr. World instead of the Lord, or you say you love them both, what husband would put up with that? He doesn't put up with it in his church either. I'll read to you a verse. It says in 2 Kings 17, they feared the Lord. Isn't that good? But it says they feared the Lord and served their own gods. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images. What do you think the Lord thought about that? Both their children... And their children's children. That stuff gets passed down to the next generation, man. If you're going to have a double heart, if you're going to be divided in your heart, it's going to be passed down. There's a danger of you passing it down through your whole line. It says in Hosea 10, 2, their heart is divided. Are you listening today? Their heart is divided. They can't keep rank. They can't move forward. I'm telling you today, folks, if we're going to forward march and advance in a new year, God has some wonderful things that He wants to accomplish with us. We can't be a double-minded heart. We can't be divided heart. How can you march forward? When I say forward march, advancing for a new year... Advancing in a new year. I don't mean that the new year is advancing. That is true. We're losing time, bro. We're losing time. We're running out of time. We're running out of opportunity. When that trumpet blows and it's time's up. I mean advancing in a new year. For a new year. That is you advancing. You moving forward. As a church moving forward. Now let me read to you something from 1899. From the record of Christian work. A periodical at the time. It says backsliding is the subtlest, most pervasive and universal of sins. The very name expresses the ease with which it may be committed. It is simply slipping back. But the law of the Christian life is forward march. That's what they said in 1899. That is your law. That is your goal. Not backsliding. Forward march. A backslider is one who is not today. Boy, God has something to say today. 
A backslider is one who is not today quite so high up that slope as he has been. If he has ever known a better day of trust, of service, if ever before his life has been cleaner, sweeter, manlier than it is today, he is a backslider. Hey, listen to me now. God is not only looking and saying, you know what? Do you know where you should be? Do you know where you should be in your Christian life by now? When there's people in China that only have one little piece of a Bible and they pass it around? What in the world should you be by now? But not only that, when God can look and say, you know, you were already this high up at one time and you're not even as good as you once were. Hosea 6 says, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Do you hear what that just said? God will give you light. God will give you fellowship. God will give you joy. God will reward you. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. So the devil has one goal. I've got to interrupt this person that they don't follow on. That they just stop. That they just don't move forward. That they get ensnared or entangled or distracted. Whatever it is. He'll delude you. He'll coax you over here. Oh my, he has his games. The Bible says in Psalms 84 about the righteous, they go from strength to strength. They keep moving on. They keep moving on. Higher ground, says the song. I got to move on. I've got more sins to accomplish, uh, uh, to, 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 to get victory over, to conquer. I have greater things to learn, greater things to discover about myself that I need to fix. I got to move on. The Lord is coming. Paul, in his last days, in prison, in a dungeon, says in Philippians 3, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He knew he was saved in eternity. What's he pressing for? Not the gift, the prize. Reigning with Jesus, pleasing our God. That the Lord may say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He doesn't say, well, I just kind of drift toward it. He says, I press toward it. The devil's always trying to stop me. He's always pulling me back. He's always trying to distract me. He's always trying to stir me up with some type of distraction. But I press toward it. I reach for it. It's a shame God has something to say today. You know it.
If the devil can hinder you from hearing the Lord speak, that's his goal. Oh, Lord, I do pray you'll speak today. In 1858, let's go way back. The Primitive Church or Baptist Magazine. I want you to hear what they say. That was before the trans movement. That was before all this stuff you see today distracting you. This was before the technology that you see today. Listen to what they say in an article called The Sleepy Christian. The Sleepy Christian is one of a far too numerous family whose presence operates as a continual clog on the progress of the church. He is always in the way and being too drowsy to advance with the church. He is too frequently found blocking up the path. Hey, listen, just one person. It doesn't matter what people do around you. It doesn't matter what anybody else. You read Pilgrim's Progress. It's about you, brother. It's about you, sister. You've got to follow the Lord. You've got to hear Him speak. And then maybe you can help others. But you've got to get a hold of it. You've got to get a hold of what I'm saying today. He is too frequently found blocking up the path. He never wrestles, nor groans, nor weeps before God. He either never knew the meaning or never felt the power of the verse that says, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Are you after the prize? Are you going to be an overcomer? Such a man is neither happy nor useful. He is asleep in the family. In the one case, it's as Eli, whose sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. But in the other, it's Abraham, to whom the Lord himself bears the honorable testimony, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon that which he hath spoken over him. The household of the one is loose, Disorderly, without control. The family wander hither and thither. The sleepy parent cares not to keep them close and regular at the house of God, the church of God. In that household, the Bible is not a family book. The children are trained up like heathens, but with a Christian name. Remember it said they feared the Lord, but they served their idols. He's also asleep in the church. He's not going into the highways and hedges to compel them to come in. He's asleep. We're talking today about advancing forward. It's a war call. The Bible says, quit yourselves like men. Not retreating. There's some serpentine S's. Scaredness. The Bible says those that are feeble-minded in battle, they need to go back home. It's going to be scary. There's softness. There's sloth. Just pure laziness. 
And there's just plain sin. All of these things keep us from advancing, folks. Is Jesus Christ not worth it? Do you not know yourself as a sinner? What light have you been given? And we've all sinned against the Most High God. But He died on a cross for you. That's the greatest story in the world. God could have wiped us out and created a whole other race of beings. But He said, I'm going to go down and become one of them. But without sin. And I'll die for them and pay the price for their sin. And we're bought with a price. And he just asks that we serve him. That we acknowledge that our, our minds, our bodies belong to you. And what do you want us to do? He says, grow for me. Advance for me. March forward. And be a light to everybody around you. So Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There was a time when they would not advance. They would not go up the mountain. They would not conquer. They murmured. They had excuses. They were bitter. So God made them wander around the wilderness for 40 years. God was not happy. God says advance. You don't want to advance? You don't want to go to higher ground? You don't want to go... To a better place? You don't want to be used by me? I'll make you go around a circle in the desert. God, help us. It says in Proverbs 4, But the path of the just, the path, is as the shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. Your Christian life, if you're a just person, a good person, an obedient person, Your Christian life, the Bible says, is like the morning sun. If you walk outside at 4 o'clock in the morning and you just sit there and watch and sit there and watch, eventually you're going to see, I think it's starting, I, 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 it looks like, I can see over there, it looks like, I think I see a little bit of light, a little flicker, a little change. It keeps advancing. The sun keeps advancing. It keeps advancing. All of a sudden, now I know daylight's coming. I know it's starting to change. I can see it now. And it begins to change. And it grows brighter and brighter and brighter. And pretty soon it's noontime and you're at the full day. The full day is here. The Bible says that's what your Christian life is supposed to be. Advancing. Coming out of darkness. Coming out of darkness. Coming out of darkness to Christian maturity. And then all of a sudden you're in glory. And you're reigning in the Lord's millennial kingdom. And you're really shining then. And you've got jobs to do. You've got work to do. This is all preparation for a greater, higher calling. But what if you're not just? Well, then you sit there and wait. You sit there and wait. And when you should be shining this brightly. I mean, it's already 7 o'clock a.m. When you're shining... And it's still darkness? It's 7 a.m. and you're still dark? You're still barely flickering? Now it's 9 a.m. in your life? And it's still dark outside? You're still like a baby little Christian that just got saved? 
Even the woman at the well, after 15 minutes, was getting a whole city interested in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you telling me 5 years, 10 years, 15 years into your Christian life, we're still not shining? It's because we're not just. The Bible said the path of the just is as the shining light. But he says, but the path of the wicked, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Do you know the Christian that's not advancing doesn't even know why? They don't even know why. They don't even know what distracted them. Maybe a wiser, more mature Christian can say, well, I'll tell you right now what happened here. This right here got you. This idol got you. Oh, you got bitter. But they don't even know. God can look down and say, well, I see what happened to you. Why don't you know? Because you're dark. Your light's been put out. If you want to walk in wickedness, it takes away your vision. You can't see afar off anymore. You don't even know what you're stumbling over. You're like, what happened to me? I was doing pretty good. You're in a hole. There's people that, that, that are down a cliff. And you're like, hey, what happened? I saw an old man one time. An elderly fella in Dallas up on a bridge. And he just about knocked over this car. And, and the little truck went up over we were up here high, and the little truck went up over the side rail, and his Toyota almost flipped over down into oncoming traffic, and it came back down because this man slammed in brakes in front of him. And the man got out and says, can you give me directions? I said, sir, you got bigger problems. You just about killed this fella right here. You're wondering about where you're at. Where am I? I don't know where I am. Where are you? You're on the highway, man. You just about killed this fellow. He didn't even know where he was. What's happening? That's how many Christians are. You don't even know what got you. But had you listened in church, the Lord would have spoke it to you personally. He would have gave you what you needed that day. He always says, I rose up early. I rose up early and I sent you watchmen. I sent, you, I sent people to you. But we don't hear. There's people asleep right now in regard to the second coming of Christ and they're, and they're believers. They're true believers. They don't even know what day you're living in. Do you know there was a time in the 90s when I heard about the tribulation period? That's before some of you were born. And you know what I said in the tribulation? You know what I said? I said, I can't imagine. I'm going to live my life. But I tell you what, by the time we're in 2005, there's going to be the mark of the beast. I don't want to be in the 2000s. The 2000s seemed like they were so far away. I'm sorry, that wasn't the 90s. This was the 80s. Tell you how old I am. But I'm going to tell you something. We're now in 2024, folks. When I was in the 80s, I didn't think this would even exist. I didn't think it'd be any way possible that we would be in 2024. Do you know 
what time it is in regard to the second coming of your Lord. The technology, the AI, the mark of the beast, the gathering of Israel, Israel in the land, Israel being attacked by all nations eventually, the new world government. Do you know where you're at? Judgment begins at the house of God before He even pours it out. If you say, wow, the world is ripe for judgment, the Lord's about to pour it out. He pours it out on His church before He does the world. You know how close the rapture must be? And you're playing around? You're soft? You're slothful? You're scared? The Bible says that those that are in darkness are either asleep or they're drunk. Read about it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says there's two problems with you. You either fell asleep in your Christian duty at a time you should not be sleeping. Man, we're at war. Or you're drunk. We're marching and we're marching and here's the captain of our salvation. Here's his sergeant and, and we're marching. We're going forward. People are keeping rank. And all of a sudden he says, stop it. Whoa, stop everybody. Stop. What's going on? We got somebody over here in the woods. I was a camp counselor for, for many years. I took kids out in, the, out in the woods on hikes. Either on horses or on foot. And sometimes there's always somebody or a few kids in the back. And you have to stop everything. You have to say, whoa, 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 stop, stop. Everybody be still. We got to go find out what's happening over here. What, what's going on? Well, the Lord says what's going on in the army is when some people are straggling behind and won't keep rank and won't keep up, they're either asleep or they're drunk. God help us. Hey, and it's not just alcohol that'll get you drunk, buddy. I'm not just talking about all the other drugs and things that you can get drunk with. You can get drunk with TikTok. You can get drunk with pop idols. There's a lot of ways to get drunk. Read about it. But what happens when you're in darkness? You end up being deluded. You're distracted by foolish things because you're drunk. You're like, what is this over here? If you ever see a drunk person, they're like, look at this. And he's playing around. So you don't need to worry about that, fella. You're drunk. I know, but I need to have my so-and-so. No, you need to get in here and get sober, buddy, is what you need to do. Put down this other stuff. You're drunk, man. You need to get focused. And that's what it's like to the Christian. Even the sleepy Christian, he's like, what, what? I just want to sleep. Sleep, your house is on fire, man. Your loved ones are in danger. Souls are perishing. Jesus is coming. Wake up, man. It's time to get busy. But the devil, he just has this goal. How to keep you from advancing forward. How to keep you from keeping rank. So people end up very self-focused. Very angry people. Bitter people. Think of Cain in the Bible. Everything was about him. My punishment is more than I could bear. And, he, and he's always jealous and envious and self-focused. For women, think of Zipporah. Married to Moses. Look how great Moses was. Look at what God was going to do with Moses. 
she didn't see it. She didn't see that for thousands of years, millions and millions and millions of people would be reading about Moses. And right at the very door of this wonderful thing, she says, you're not circumcising my children. You're not circumcising my sons. That's, that's, that's gross. She was bitter, angry. And to keep her husband alive, she went along with it. But she was resentful. Oh my. She said, you're a bloody husband. I don't like this religion. I don't like this, these rules. I don't like what God has us do. I don't see the reason for it. The point of this message is this. You can never advance if you get offended. Oh, the devil has many ways. Get you drunk, get you to fall asleep. But you can never advance and move forward. And you're going to be disqualified. You get offended. The light's out. It's all over. Unless you wake up. And you get rid of that bitter spirit. Give it to the Lord Jesus. Let him fix it. If you get discouraged. If you faint. If you're without hope. Read Hebrews 11. Read specifically Hebrews 12. God knows what the devil's going to do to you. God tells you. It's as if God pleads with you. He says don't misunderstand my chastisements don't misunderstand every son I love I scourge look at me as a doctor says God I gotta exercise the limbs that are hanging down I gotta get them moving it's gonna hurt but take the medicine that I give you take the exercise that I give you you got to not get bitter with me you gotta listen to me don't faint Stay with me, says God. Look at all these others that went before you. Look how they stayed with me. Stay with me, says God. You've got to keep advancing. The enemy's going to try to knock you down, and maybe he will knock you down. You've got to get back up. The captain himself is going to chew you out. You say, the sergeant's mad at me. Well, you wait till the captain comes over. You let the captain stop the whole army and come back here and say, what in the world's going back here, sergeant? I, 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 don't, know. I, I don't know what's wrong with him, sir. Boy, you let the captain come deal with you personally. He's gentle. He's kind. He's loving. But you got to know the goodness and the severity of God. Don't mess with him. He's done a lot for you. You got to stay with him. You might end up in a place that you don't understand why God's doing this in my life. You got to stay with him. Folks, let me give you something here. Let me give you something from 1969. 
It's called a witness and a testimony, the blessedness of the unoffended. Oh, please listen to these words. Our Lord said, Matthew 11, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Have you ever thought about that? Hey, listen. He said in John 16, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Why does he keep saying that to his disciples? The article says one of the greatest perils of the Christian life lurks in the common pathway of discipleship. The pathway. It is the peril of being offended in Christ. You see what our forefathers are saying? They're saying, now, hey, young Christian, or maybe old Christian, that's still back here at the beginning of the race. When you get around this corner now, there's a big danger. The devil's going to try to get you offended. You're not going to be able to move forward. That'll be the big trick, one of his biggest tricks that he has. The fellowship to which the gospel summons us inevitably brings a constant, new, and humiliating discovery of self. An unvarying disturbance of established order in our lives as His will corrects and opposes our own. So you get doing good, you're, you're, you're running, maybe you're jogging, but, and you're on your pathway, you're growing, you're growing. You get around the corner and you say, what in the world is that? That's you. Well, I've never seen that before. Yep, but that's you and you need to get rid of it. There's some new things I want you to get out of your life. Uh, back there, I didn't mention it, but right now around this corner where you're at in maturity, that needs to go. This thing right now needs to go out of your life. We can't go any further. Oh, you're offended. You get offended. Don't you take away my pet sin. Don't you take away my pet habit. God says, well, you can't go any further. You can't go any further. You've got to get rid of this. And you're offended. And you sit over there and you sulk under a tree. What's the matter, Christian? Why aren't you advancing forward? These rules. He wants to take away this out of my life. Well, you got a problem. Are you going to go serve the devil? Are you going to stay with your Lord? Blessed are they who are not offended. You let God have his way in you. What did you think he's going to do? He's going to make you better. You've got to find out more and more about yourself and about sin. You've got to open your eyes to what really needs to change in your life. As the light shines more, we've got to correct more. You say, boy, I found out something, Pastor. I found out what a sinner I am. You say, brother, sister, you've only just barely begun to see what's really wrong with you. But stay with God. He's always chipping away at us. And he says that those that are doing good and bringing forth fruit, he purges them. He purges. He begins to chip away. But he loves you. He is so excited. He's so happy that you're progressing, even though it's painful. It makes him happy. Because you're his workmanship. He's preparing you for great things. Not just in this life, but in the world to come. Don't remain with that flicker of the day. Get out here and become the light that you should be. You say, but it's comfortable right here. 
just barely flickering at 10 a.m. when you should be shining. It's not really comfortable. Hey, you ought to realize how horrible and evil and miserable it really is as the hourglass of life is running its course and will soon be over, either in death or the coming of our Lord Jesus. And the article says the danger is that we are apt to break down under the test and the training and to go back and walk no more with Him, to become, in fact, offended in Him. I've seen so many people Start out well and so exciting about Christ. And they get around the corner and they realize the Lord wants them to separate from some idols in their life. And they say, there's no way I'm going to do that. And they walk no more with God. Men have in this way unconsciously and imperceptibly put themselves far out of the range of Christ's ordinary influences. And they become like the derelicts of the ocean, occasions of danger and disaster to countless other lives. So what happens is you don't just sit on the sideline and say, I'm not going forward anymore. Well, that's bad for you. That really is bad for you. But God says you're not just bad for yourself. You're bad for others now because there's others advancing up behind you and they're excited and they say, hey, hey, what in the world are you doing over here? And your bitterness spreads to them. And even if you say, listen, listen, don't do what I'm doing. Stay on the course. Stay on the course. Some of them will, but they had to slow down a little bit. Others are going to say, no, no, I really want to know what made you get off the track. See, you end up being a stumbling block. You end up being a stumbling block. You, you can't help it. You're either going to move forward or you're going to be a stumbling block. A discouragement. Because even if you don't give them any bad advice, they're still running by you excited about the Lord and they see you there and they say, that's very discouraging. That's very discouraging. But Christ, with the absolute frankness, combines welcome with warning as none has ever done. By Him, we come to know the Father, and by Him also we come to know ourselves. He says, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And what this means is this, Blessed is he who does not find in me any cause of stumbling, who can keep his feet in my ways, who is not tripped up by any obstacles in the path, into which I have directed him. We are prepared to find stumbling in the world, in the opposition of the devil, in the proven insincerity of others, but in him? Why does he say, Blessed are they whosoever shall not be offended in me? This is surely the most startling of all his warnings. That his own friends, those who really know him, and have been admitted into the intimacies of fellowship with Him, should ever find cause of offense in Him? Is that not strange? Oh, but John the Baptist. He was languishing in prison on the shores of the Dead Sea as the outcome of a life of the utmost faithfulness. He had been tremendously loyal to Christ. 
and yet it had all ended in a dungeon. It seemed as though his faith, his self-restriction, his willingness to decrease had all been unrecognized and unvalued by the Lord. Remember the psalmist in Psalm 73 says, My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I must have cleansed my heart in vain, he says. Don't you wish that at times when you've tried to stay on the path and somehow you don't like where it all ended up leading? It's not what you expected. Don't you wish that you can not only ask the Lord, we know we can pray, but don't you wish he was here in the personal sense, bodily, and you could ask him and get a, an answer, a direct answer? John was able to send messengers. He was offended, but he was able to send messengers. And he was honest about his confusion. But the Lord doesn't give him the exact type of answers we would desire. He says, go tell John about my miracles. Go tell John he's on the right track. I'm who I said I was. Just tell him the miracles I'm doing. But I don't understand, says John. I thought we'd be reigning over the Roman Empire. Why am I in prison right now with this Jezebel getting my head turned, uh, cut off? Sometimes the Lord just leaves you. He says, this is enough for you. Just trust me. Oh, we got to trust him. Don't be offended. You know what he told John? He says, go back and tell John, blessed are those that are not offended in me. Go back and tell John. If you don't get stumbled, John, if you don't get mad at me, you're going to be blessed. Because if you stay with the Lord, you'll grow through your present confusion and darkness. It doesn't seem possible, I know. But you will then become what you're supposed to become. And you don't even know what it's going to be. But to others around you, your face will be glowing. You will be a light. You will shine brighter than you ever thought that you could. And you're not even in glory yet. You're not even in the millennial reign, reigning with Christ. They say it begins with the disappointment of some hope, the failure of an expectation, the weariness of unanswered prayer. As we brood over it, a sense of injustice grows, a feeling that we have not been treated quite fairly by Christ, which becomes positive resentment, until after a while, His yoke becomes irksome. How many there are all around us whose lives, this is a true description. This is the first of all the severity of His requirements. I'm sorry, there is the first. Of all, the severity of his requirements. This is, these are the things that people get offended at. His requirements. Well, why would he require this of me? When we first come to Christ, the pathway seems to be strewn with roses. But before long, we discover that the conditions of staying in fellowship with him are severe. For instance, we find that a real separation from the world and spirit and purpose is entirely necessary to the maintaining of fellowship. Oh, we don't like that. We find that we cannot march to two tunes at the, one, at the same time. You let the Lord play his marching tune, and you let the devil 
play his, and you're trying to march to both, you can't do it. You can't do it. We learn that we cannot keep step at the same time with him and with popular opinion, with him and the world, nor even with him and many so-called Christians. And when this discovery is made, it often means that men are offended in him. These are the folks that said, oh, I used to go to church, you know. This happened or that happened. Deep down behind it all, if they'd be honest, and one day they'll see, what you really mean is you didn't like the requirements of the Lord Jesus Christ to maintain fellowship. You're offended at that. Are you jealous of your husband, your wife, in a holy way? And you don't expect God to be jealous of his servant? For his servant? For his church? That you would love the things that Jesus died for, because of? That you would love sin? His demand involves a costly disturbance in the regulation of home and business and social life according to His order, His marching order. It means possibly for some the relinquishing of a kind of popularity which exists only because of shameful silence and regarding Him. It involves others in the severance of ties which have become a large part of their life. It means for all the end of self-indulgence, a dethronement in order to an enthronement. The Lord says just, just give it up and you'll reign. When all this comes to be clearly apprehended then, it is that men are offended in Christ. They go back and will walk no more with Him. Not because they do not understand Him, but because they have come to know Him too well. You want, for instance, to do some great service and to fill some great sphere. But Christ's answer to your longing is that you sit down to face the difficulties of a very small work in a place where there is little, if any, recognition of your toil. You get offended. Many say it's not the commandments. Is this God, I, I'm serving you. This is not where I thought I'd be. You got to go back and read about the prophets that God called. The Lord tried to get this straight with you at the beginning. He said, if they persecuted them, they'll persecute you. If they were famous and well-liked by the world, then so will you be. You've asked the gift of rest, maybe. But the answer has come in the necessity for stern and continuous conflict. The fires of temptation blaze around you, not less, but far more fiercely than ever. Or you've desired to have a life less burdened and strained. But his only response has been to impose other and heavier burdens upon you. And you are well nigh offended in him. Now it will help us if we remember the simple fact that he knows and does just what is best. Both for the development and the repression of our lives. You think his goal is just to do whatever you say. 
No, his goal is to give you what you need to really ultimately make you happy and glorify him. In reality, he is only unsympathetic with your egotism. He only seeks to destroy within us anything savoring of self-love, self-pride, and self-sufficiency, and to produce in us something of the beauty of his own character. Remember, he says, I come to do my Father's will. That's why I'm here. That was the Lord's utmost desire. And he wants it to be your desire. Beyond these causes is yet another. One last one. Listen now. They've dealt with the fact that you don't like the commandments. You don't like the trial. You don't like how things are turning out. But hold on, they got one more. Beyond these causes is yet another in the slowness of his methods. Oh, now here's where you will lose a lot that stayed with it. They stayed with it. They stayed with it. They got through a lot. But things are going too slow. Things are going too slow. Oh, they lost loyalty to Moses. They said things are going too slow. I don't like how things look, Moses. Do you ever think that there may be some lagging, distracted, dilly-dallying, grumbling person that's slowing things up? There was a time when they were fighting their battles and all of a sudden they were losing and Jonathan came back and um, Joshua came back and fell down on his face and says, God, how is this happening? And God said, get up. Basically, quit praying. There's sin in the camp. You've got something bad going on there. It's causing everything to slow down. As I told you about hiking and things, <laughs> much of my life was going back and thinking, what is going on? What's slowing us down back here? And somebody's back here just looking at something, just, uh, just, just humming to themselves. I'm like, hey, bro, there's bears out here. There's things going on. What are you doing? Keep up. We all have to slow down. It's not always physical problems. It's an attitude. Sometimes it's sin into camp. We need to ask ourselves, is there something in my own life? Could God be slowing things down in others because of me? Would God care about little old me? My attitude? How can we ask this when he says he knows every hair on your very head? He knows every bird. And you're asking whether he takes note of you in his church? Read the seven churches of the book of Revelation. Where he says, I, I know everybody in this church. He says, there's some in this church that have not defiled their garments. But the rest of you, I'm not happy with. And he knows who's hindering. He knows all of that. And he says, go back to your first love. Some of you are not even where you were at one time. 
Let's not have a double heart. The Lord pleads. He says, I'm coming quickly. As many as I love, I rebuke. Don't have a divided heart. You're double-minded. We're not keeping rank. We've got to all have one mind and, and one vision and one purpose, and we've got to march forward and accomplish great things for God. You've got to grow in your love for Him. They say quite early we find that life is not a song, but rather a strife. That the grace of Christ is not a mere ecstasy, but rather an energy which works painfully for righteousness in us. Read how Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He says it's righteousness. And that it takes all the watchfulness of which we are capable of just to occupy the ground we've already conquered, as well as to conquer fresh territory. You say, you want me to move forward? I'm just pastor. I'm just, try I'm just trying to maintain what I already have. I know you can't just do that, brother. You got to march forward. You said, but it's hard to even maintain. I know. Welcome to the battle. Don't get offended with Jesus. You're at war, brother. You got to man up. Don't get offended with God. Move forward. Move forward. We got to move. How often we find in the slowness with which spiritual results are achieved a cause of offense in Christ. How hardly souls are wooed and won. Tares are growing up with the wheat. How certain it is that he who goes forth bearing precious seeds must weep as he goes. We always take that as if we'll go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, we'll come back rejoicing. And we need to weep for souls. We need to weep for sin. But a lot of times we're weeping. Because things just aren't turning out right. You just got to keep moving. You got to keep going forward. Now it would not be difficult to bring instance upon instance to prove that in spiritual work, when results are least visible, they are often the most real. How easy it can be when you think nothing's happening. When you get forward in the future, you're going to find out the most amazing things were happening. Have you not read enough Christian biography to know that? Have you not read enough Bible to know that? Think of what Zipporah must have thought and had no idea what was really happening was so great and amazing. And she was a part of it. You say, could I really be a part of something big? It doesn't look big. That's all the game. 
That's how Satan operates. That's the battle, the illusion. To discourage you. But perhaps over and above all of these is the suggested causes of offense in Christ is the unreasonableness of his silence. For his purposes are vastly bigger than our prayers. And while his speech may be as silver, his silence is as gold. Blessed is he, he says, who shall not be offended in me. So don't be offended in him, despite the severity of his requirements, the mystery of his contradiction, the slowness of his methods, the apparent unreasonableness of his silence. Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Let me quickly read to you something from Tozer. In a sermon called Spiritual Perfection, Mediocre Christians Resist It. They resist their spiritual perfection. He says they are not one inch farther up the mountain than they were on the day when the sun first arose on them in conversion. Some are not even as far advanced as they were a few years ago. I close with three verses for you, Church of God. May you hear, please. Oh, may you hear. As Tabitha comes and plays uh, the piano and gets ready, I want to give you a couple of verses. You don't got to come up and pray, but you are welcome to do it. If God has spoken to you today, if you know that you have been stagnated, distracted, maybe even offended. I, I, I'm not interested in the reason right now. That's between you and God. I'm interested in you moving forward. I'm interested in you starting this new year out right. And you can pray in your pew and give your heart fully to God and not be double-hearted and double-minded. You can keep rank and you can move forward. And you could say, I want to be blessed. I don't want to be one of the offended ones. I don't want to give up hope and be disgruntled and murmuring and fainting. I'm going to trust God that he has good things for me. Let me read these three verses for you. Hebrews 5. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. Which be the first principles. Let us go on to perfection. Paul says you ought to be leading others to Christ. Just not just leading people to Christ. A woman at the well could do that after 15 minutes. You ought to be discipling Christians. But I got to go back and teach you the basics. Paul said that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. The Lord says His great commission to His church people, not to individuals, to His church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, whether they're black, whether they're white, whatever country they come from, teach them. What do you teach them? How to be saved. And then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. After they're saved, say, now you've got to join a church. You need to get baptized. You need to publicly confess Christ. And then teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This commission is still in force. How can you teach them to obey all things the Lord has taught if you're just a beginner yourself? I have to be taught myself. 
Oh, you have to be taught? Will you teach me how to grow in Christ? Will you teach me the things, the dangers I have to overcome? And you say, I'm sorry. You've got to go to somebody else. I'm not the one that needs to be discipling you. Really? How long have you been saved? Oh, what a shame. The Bible says in Daniel 12, they that be wise shall shine. This is a last days verse. And I close with this. This is for the last days, the tribulation period. And I believe the days you're in right now, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. May we continue to shine forth and we become mature in Christ and we keep on pressing on. We don't know him as much as we need to know him. We don't. We're not as close to Him as we need to be, but let's keep pressing forward. Let's keep obtaining higher ground. As a church, let's do great things. And you got to understand, you say with us, He's going to do great things. Yep, with us. With us. He's chosen us. He's chosen you to do great things. Might not look like much, but you wouldn't believe what God is doing right now and what He's going to do. Don't get bitter. As she prays, if you want to come forward, we're going to take a few minutes. She's just going to pray. If you want to come down and talk to the Lord, you do so. You come forward. But I do pray right there in your pew that you talk to God or you come forward. Please, please, please play as we pray. Has God spoken to you? Don't look at the vessel. If we know our Lord, it's not going to be something fancy. He can speak through a donkey. It's the Lord you need to hear. We're all unworthy servants and unworthy vessels. But if God has spoken in you today, get back in the race. Get up. Wipe the dust off. And you rejoice and shine and get excited. Get your joy back. And get to work. You wouldn't believe what God will do with you. good thank you thank you thank you lord bless you today lord bless you today